for the best you can be. Keep seeking to find honesty. Keep searching and put it in your mind. Love yourself to the end of time. The end of time. Welcome everybody to Paul Listic Behind the Curtain. Today we take a look at the new fabulous work at the Black Ensemble Theater back after so much time as we all were stuck in this pandemic. Joining me, the founder, the head of Black Ensemble Theater is Jackie Taylor, who conceived the show we're about to talk about. Also joining me, two stars of the show, one of my favorites, Dawn Bless, who plays Preach, and MJ Rawls, who plays Michelle in this show. Welcome to all of you. Jackie, let me start by coming to you because you conceived this show, you wrote it, but it seems to me that you've tackled some issues here in this show that you have not dealt with before on the stage of Black Ensemble Theater, transgender issues, anxiety, depression. Am I right? Is this a first? Well, we've, we, we've tackled transgender issues. In fact, uh, MJ was uh, one of the stars of Legends when we talked about transgender issues. But what we're doing with the production today is, is, is we're in the season of healing at Black Ensemble Theater. And so we're talking about those issues from which we need to heal. Uh, this pandemic has caused a lot of anxiety, depression. We have a lot of issues going on in the world today with, with uh, the, the, the injustices against transgender folks. Uh, Black Ensemble Theater is about eradicating racism. Racism exists on all kinds of levels. And what this production does is hit those levels, brings them to the surface so we can talk about them, understand them, and, and try to move forward to a better world. MJ, let me come to you about these issues because, and maybe what, what I should have said in terms of is this the first is that I know you, you've played roles in which, you know, the, the character, the person is transgender, but I guess what I'm seeing here, what was different for me is confronting the very existence of transgender as the issue itself and, and confronting it head on that way. MJ, is that fair enough to sort of look at this role in, in the way you're playing it the, as a person? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think what was interesting was that when Jackie and I sat down and we discussed about what, um, when she was conceiving the show, she was like, I didn't really want to talk about this, but I'm going in that direction. And so we talked about it and it was just so interesting that my words, she just translated into this beautiful monologue where it not only talked about my struggle um, being a trans right activist or just being a trans person in society, but how I overcame all of the, uh, uh, the anxiety, depression, all of those things, all of those trials and tribulations that I was going through, how I overcome that. So I thought that was just beautiful. Dawn, you of course have been around Black Ensemble, not quite as not quite as long as Jackie, but you know, <laughs> but but for so many years, this is a very different show, right? When I think back to the history of Black Ensemble shows, everything from you know uh, the other Cinderella and, and just all this other kind of great stuff, and all the the Dion Warwick shows, all the things that go on at Black Ensemble Theater, stepping into this show and this role for you, this was different, I think. Well, yeah, I've always um, had had opportunities to be in a position of, you know, being in the forefront and leading a production. Um, but I, 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 
it's different that it is a straight up female preacher <laughs> or a woman of faith, but it's not different in the message. It's not different in the, uh, the urgency of, of what we're trying to say. Jackie, I want to come, you know, you've never been afraid to tackle an issue and put it on the table because you know you are triggering something in people that may be a point of discomfort. I think your message of eradicating racism is to say you can't eradicate it until you see it and talk about it. Absolutely. And we have to face our fears. We have to face our issues. We can't, we, we, we got to pull them out of the closet and stop hiding uh, because if we do that, we allow for the sickness to perpetuate itself. You got to meet the sickness head on. You got to meet it. You got to figure it out. And then you got to deal with it. So, no, we're not afraid. I mean, since 1976, when we said we we're going to start a theater with the mission of eradicating racism uh, back then, that was bold as hell. Uh, and in some circles, it's still very bold today, but that is what we do. That is why we exist, and uh, we can't do it without education. We can't do it without communication. We can't do it without increasing understanding and acceptance and respect, and that's what it's all about. And I, I could ask Jackie this question, too. You chime in if you want to, but Dawn, I'll come to you with it. I know, I'm guessing growing up, some of the values that the Black Ensemble is teaching right now, as in, it's just like coming to church, do they, did they not go against the grain of some of the teachings you had growing up? I just, you know, I mean, so many of us grew up with, you know, fairly conservative notions in, in our background, and somewhere we woke up, and somewhere we realized people are people, and everybody needs to be respected. Well, you know what, personally, I've been, I am, um, a former youth minister, and I was actually on the way to being ordained as a youth minister. So when it comes to some of the teachings, I, I'm aware of some teachings that may have been uh, just in traditional in, 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 you know, in the beliefs, but for the most part, uh, like in this production, the, 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 the core to everything is faith. The core to everything is love. That's the foundation. And so that is something that is consistent uh, that I, I've found. And, and like you mentioned uh, in the production that, yeah, Jackie's been doing it since 1976. There's a line in the other Cinderella where it says, but he's gay, Mildred, where the king doesn't want the prince to hang around with his other fellow because he's not the traditional masculine, you know, uh, expression. Uh, and whatever he is, the queen says, honey, you know, we, we don't deal with that, you know, let him be and let him be, you know. And so it's, it's, it's something that the Black Ensemble has always dealt with. And then also when it comes to arts, arts has always challenged people to look further, to be more. It's always been a mirror of, that you held up to society. Say, here, examine yourself. Me, I've been an artist and I was raised by an artist. So my foundation may have been different from the world and so i honestly when i come into black ensemble i'm home so this is this is my foundation this black ensemble's foundation as well mj you, you talked about the, the struggles just of growing up and now i'll move on from this issue it's just it's just it's so striking <laughs> for me in this show but but for you i'm kind of wondering to, to what extent are you saying hey i'm playing this character named michelle and to what extent are you going i'm kind of playing mj here Oh, uh, Michelle's monologue is me. <laughs> um, um, I guess everyone was talking about it. I am 
the grandchild of um, of an evangelist. My my grandmother's evangelist. My mother is getting ordained as a deaconess. So I am a grandchild PK. <laughs> so I was brought up in the church. Um, but for me, um, there's a line where, um, where Michelle said, I felt so alone. And most of my life, I felt so alone. I felt very um, afraid to speak up and speak out and say what I wanted to say or just be me. Um, I talked about it, but I was a little intimidated and I intimidated in the fact that I was, um, yeah, I was, I was just intimidated. I was, I was afraid. I was very afraid of my parents and not afraid. Like, you know, the Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father. I was afraid to, to speak up because I thought they would ostracize me. I thought they would like kick me out of the family. I thought all of these things. Um, it wasn't until I got in my mind, I said, okay, I need some healing. <laughs> I need something. Um, I, I sought out resources. I went to therapy and therapy made me realize that no, 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 no. Who said we were going to do all of these things? Um, they're, they're not going to kick you out. They're not going to do all of that thing. This is stuff that you fabricated in your mind. You haven't spoke up. You haven't said anything to them. So how would they know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, and it reads so well. I mean, it reads just like that. And of course, Dawn, knowing that you were going to be a preacher and here you are playing preach, I've got to come back to Jackie with this, which is this casting seems a little bit different, Jackie. I mean, ordinarily you just test fun people playing great roles and all of that. But in this, in this particular show, it's just like coming to church. Every character does they serve a purpose in that show and it's a different issue that, that they're dealing with. I read a lot of these performers to be very authentic in the, maybe they're just fantastic actors, but I read these performers as being very authentic in the issues they were presenting. So am I misreading that? Was this just, no, no, I just happened to cast these people or did you pick people who truly live the issues you raised? You know, I think everyone lives the issues that we raise in the show. I, I don't think anyone can walk away and say, oh, they didn't touch on me. I think they are human issues that we all go through at some point in our life. Uh, we all have self-doubt. We all go through anxiety. We all go through depression at some point in our life. Um, we, there are issues that the actors they're they're actors and um it's it's strange because originally i didn't make up names i just used the actors names and um they the actors were uh so self-conscious about the things that they were saying that they did not want me to use their names so i i changed the names to well, I had them pick a name, what name that they wanted. But uh, for some, uh, the issues are direct. And for others in the production, the issues are, are far from what they really experience. They're just wonderful actors. Dawn, because you've been around Black Ensemble so long, you know, one of the things that everybody loves about Black Ensemble, you come in and it's family. When, you, when you're in that theater and the seats are filled and all of that, to Jackie's credit, um, we're still living in a pandemic. And so I will, for people that have not been to Black Ensemble, uh, you know, since the pandemic, uh, you know, has joined us, or if you've never been to Black Ensemble, there's now, this, we're spaced out, we're shifted, all that. And of course, after the show, 
you know what, you guys line up, we all get to, to see you and hug you. And that's my, one of my favorite yeah. things to do. So don't want your, your sense. I know it's, it's just reality, but um, you, you do what you got to do these days. Yeah, you do. And we, we have to take that portion away, you know, for the safety of our audience, uh, first and foremost, as well as the actors. But you know what? I, I got to say that the way that this production, the, what you're picking up on uh, of how different it rings for you, I think that that connection is so strong that um, the need for uh, we've already had a reception line. We have already touched and agreed, as they say in church. We've already we've had testimony service. We've been vulnerable in such a way. But I think this production, I mean, it's nothing else to do but leave. I will be honest with you. Even when we're doing the post uh, uh, a curtain speech, the people are ready to. They said, "Honey, I." I got all I needed. I'm ready to run on, you know? So I don't even think it's necessarily necessary this time with the type of production this is. We've truly come together and connected. I won't say we've had church because this isn't a, this is a different kind of church, but it is a place where we have all, we, we bared witness to each other's struggles in such a way that it's nothing else to do but say, I'll see you later, honey. <laughs> we don't even have to meet and, and do all of that, you know? That, so that's I what I think is so beautiful about it. I get you. I'm with you on all that. Yeah. I, I do look forward to the day I get to hug you again, though, after the show. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, you know, <laughs> air hug, air hug. That's how that's we can do that. Years. Well, and also the food upstairs after the fade on opening night. I'm waiting for that to come back, too. Oh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing the mac and cheese. And... <laughs> But what's it like for you performing in a black ensemble show? You perform all over the, you know, say different places and whatever, but this is just different, right? I mean, see Dawn, she's used to this and all that. I know you've done some other, you did Legends, whatever, but black ensemble just has to ring differently for you when you get cast here as opposed to some other theaters. It's so different, so different. <laughs> um, I, um, the, I did some PWAP shows with black ensemble theater, and then I got to do some main stage with you guys and, um, and then when I went out into the world, I always bring Black Ensemble Theater with me everywhere that I go. Um, it's that that family aspect you just don't get from anywhere else. Just the love and the support and the teaching. Um, you just don't get at any other theaters. Every other director is like, okay, boom, 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 boom. But Jackie really takes the time to really... Um, dig, dissect each scene and dissect everyone's work and say, okay, this is how we can come together as a unit. And um, that's how the show moves. It just, it just, it, she builds it. She literally builds it from, from, from the, the, the script to the set, to the actors, to the crew. I mean, it's just, it's just so beautiful. And by opening night, you're just like, wow, this is this is crazy. All of those weeks, those five, four weeks that we've been together, this is what this is this is this is what comes out of it. And it's just so beautiful. Um, so you just don't get that really at anywhere, any other theater. There, there, that's so true. And in fact, the song we played up front of this interview was written by Jackie. Um, so, you, I mean, it's just just so I love that. That that was just resonated with me, Jackie, but not only just in the words, but in just in the just in the rhythm of it and the sort of jazzy feel. It was it was just really something. Uh, the only bad casting Jackie ever had that I recall was she didn't cast me as Dionne Warwick. But that was that was my view. Uh, I'd have made a a fabulous Dionne Warwick. Um, But I got to meet Dionne because you brought her to the theater, so I I can't complain. But you know, in general, 
in general, I, I, was, I would say in general, a lot of people look at Black Ensemble like, as a different experience as actors. Also because Jackie is, does such a great job at creating new works, pushing the conversation forward. I love some uh, Broadway productions, but how many times are we going to see Dreamgirls? I love that we are dealing with new stories constantly. We are always moving forward and pushing the envelope forward with new, fresh ideas. Ed, you make a great point. Although Dreamgirls is a good job, uh, but you make a great, a great point. So, Jackie, upcoming in the season, Grandma's Jukebox, My Mother, My Brother Langston, Blue Heaven. Is there? Do we, do we have this? This it looks like the whole season is about healing and, and coming back and, and moving on. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. Yes. Uh, do you see in the future in another season? Will we go back to some of those bio, you know, biopics that, that you do of, of famous people in history? Absolutely. Absolutely. But right now, these these are uh, very challenging times and they call for very challenging moments of bringing us together. So uh, uh, we're going to still be the same Black Ensemble. We're still going to present the wonderful works. Uh, but right now, because we've come, we're, we're still in uh, a very challenging time in history with everything that's going on in the world, we, we need to focus on how to heal, how to move through it. And, and MJ and Dawn, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, I'm going to pretend like Jackie isn't here for this one, but did you know that there's an effort now in the city to rename CTA stops for famous women in history? And did you know the CTA stop that's about four, box, four blocks behind the Black Ensemble Theater? There's an effort to rename that to Jackie Taylor stop. Did you know Look, that? I didn't know that, but we need that because we already got the street and we need we need the, the stop. Of course we need the stop. What are yes, you <laughs> what, what kind of question is this? <laughs> I don't think MJ disagreeing with us either. Not at all, not at all. We need to stop. Look, I'm going to get off at that stop and walk to the theater. Look, I got off at the Jackie Taylor stop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Taking pictures. Um, you know, Jackie, I know we got to wrap up, so I'll, I'll do that. But I just got to have you, are you aware of the difference you have made in this city? I mean, I know you have a mission, you know, eradicate racism, but, you know, life goes on, the decades pass. Are you aware of the difference you have made in this city? <laughs> you know, I don't think about it in that sense. I, I, it's, it's not just me. It really isn't. It's, it's, it's the transformation takes a lot of people and a lot of support. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored and I'm humble, but at the same time, again, um, it's it's not just me. It's 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 a combination of of talented people, wonderful support, a great board of directors. It's 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 a lot of folks. A lot of folks. Well, you are humble. None of the three of us may ever get a street or a stop named after you. Um, the show is it's just like coming to church. Welcome to the church of you. It is, uh, Dawn, you said it best. It, it did. It just struck me as a very different show from things I have seen there. Yeah. Maybe because I haven't been to theater in, in so long and it's just coming <laughs> back. I don't know why. But I no, I think that there's just something special about this show. Yeah. It is playing through April 24th. Is that right, Miss Jackie? April 24th? That's correct. Yes. All right. You don't want to wait to get your tickets. So blackensemble.org is where you can get them or call the friendly people in the box office, 773-769-4451. I'll put that information on, on the website page. But if you haven't, if you've never been to the Black Ensemble Theater, or even if you have, 
Go have an experience like you have never had before, in my view. Jackie Taylor, thanks as always for doing some amazing stuff. The show is amazing. MJ Rawls, you just you just floored me in this show, and it's why I said, please, I need to talk to her because um, you know you're just making a big difference in the community. We owe Jackie for that to happen, but but thank you for the difference you're making. And Don Blast, you're just one of my favorite people on the planet, so I can't do this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. BlackEnsemble.org, my favorite theater, my favorite people. All right, y'all have a good day. Thanks so much for being with me. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) I've always been shy. I confess that I'm shy. Can't you guess that this confident air is a mask that I wear because I'm shy. And welcome, everybody, to Paul Lisnick Behind the Curtain. As you can tell from that clip of the song you just heard, which is called Shy, you might or might not be familiar with that song, but it certainly made a very famous comedian, who we all know, quite famous after she appeared in the show we're going to talk about. We'll get into all of that. Uh, and I appreciate you joining us with another show about theater. So we're talking about the show Once Upon a Mattress, which is playing at Theo Ubuque Theater, one of my favorite theaters, because it's like dinner theater. You get to sit around. It's kind of cabaret style. It's really comfortable. It's at Evanston. And Once Upon a Mattress is playing through May 1st. Joining us, um, principal cast members from the show, we have Sonia Goldberg, who plays Princess Winifred. That's the voice you just heard. August Foreman, who plays Prince Dauntless. And Anne Sheridan Smith, who plays Queen Agravane. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to Behind the Curtain. Sonia, I'm going to start with you, because the comedian I'm talking about, of course, is the famous Carol Burnett. This show made her a star. Did you feel any pressure about that, or, or do you just think the show is old enough that nobody really makes that connection? I did feel the pressure. I took it upon myself to, number one, worship and research the initial performance, but also consciously make departures from it. Um, it's a big shoes to fill. August, let me come to you. You play Great. Prince Dauntless. And tell us, yes. you know, for folks who don't know Once Upon a Mattress, it's kind of a, based on a famous story, but tell us what this show is about. Yeah, so Once Upon a Mattress is based on uh, the fairy tale, The Princess and the Pea, all about this prince living in a kingdom who is desperate to get married. Uh, mother is a little strict, and so, you know, Prince Dauntless has numerous uh, princesses coming to visit, um, trying to pass these tests, these impossible tests that the queen puts into place, because honestly, the queen is in power. The queen does not want to give up her power, so she makes the test impossible to pass. So princess after princess fails, and then in comes Princess Winifred, who just is magnificent and wins over everyone in the kingdom except for the queen, and somehow miraculously brings everybody, unites everyone in the kingdom, ultimately passes this test, and we get our, you know, obvious happily ever after. And you see, you don't ruin anything because you're right. It is a fairy tale based thing. We're going to get a happily ever after, but it's a fun ride on the way there. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and... Anne Sheridan Smith, you play the queen. Of course, what's what's fortunate for, for the queen in this show is that your husband, the king, really doesn't have any lines. <laughs> Talk to me about a, a play that has the king silent, but the wife, a very strong character. Yes, um, you know, it, it, it is quite fortunate. It's why she has so much power is because the king is rendered mute by a curse. So, yeah, um, she took 
takes full advantage of that and um, and keeps the uh, the tension throughout the show, which I find really fun to do, and um, keeps the stakes pretty high. She has a pretty um, unhealthy attachment to her son as well. <laughs> yeah. When I first heard the show was coming at the Ubuque, I'll be honest with you, I was sort of like, what is taking them back so far in, in Broadway mm-hmm. history to bring this show back? Um, and, and Sonia, I'll come to you with this. One of the things that is done differently here uh, than probably any production ever uh, is is the way in which it's cast and how it's cast. And I think this ties into Theo Ubuque's intercultural development philosophy. But I'll put that question on you, Sonia. Talk to us about the casting, because in this show, uh, hey, anybody can play anybody. Yeah, I think a lot of these characters, well, first of all, Winifred's purpose in the story is to be unapologetically herself and inspire others to be unapologetically themselves. So throughout the show, we see characters kind of like fighting with their public versus private persona and like trying to get what they need from their loved ones and for themselves. So with this casting, it, it, it is like a lovely direct connection layering to that. So folks that may traditionally not have access to these roles, just like jumping into them with zero question and full authenticity. It, it's effortless. It should be effortless moving forward with all shows, but with this show, especially it's like, hi, here we are we're joyful, we're figuring, we're figuring stuff out. I'm sort of curious, August, your sense of this, maybe I'm going to give too much credit to Hamilton, but I just, I don't remember many shows prior to Hamilton. My question to you is, did Hamilton pave the way, or would we be seeing this, you think, at Theo Obuke, regardless of what uh, any Broadway show like Hamilton has done, with regard to, you know, casting people, whoever's best for the role, doesn't matter your color, doesn't matter your gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Hamilton started a really beautiful conversation around it. Um, and also really forced theaters around the world to sort of answer the question of why are we not casting like this? Why have we not, you know, we, we've been so strict in our casting in the past. And um, I, I, that was one of the big things Landry, you know, went into in this production. She, she wasn't intending, you know, her goal wasn't to cast the show in a way that it's never been cast before. You know, her big thing was, I want to cast the right person for the role, the person who is going to, do this show the best, do this role the best. And ultimately that created a really diverse and really beautiful cast that, you know, we, we don't often see in, in a lot of States, not even in Chicago, which is one of the most diverse cities in the world. And so it was really beautiful to see this group of people come together. And, you know, I, I do think that Hamilton allowed more conversations to happen around this type of casting. But, I mean, you even see now on Broadway, we are still struggling with diversity on our stages, whether that be, you know, diversity in the color of the skin of people on stage or the diversity of gender on our stages. Um, And I think Landry has just created something really beautiful and stunning. And and I think that's why this production is uh, being received in such a phenomenal way, because this cast is so diverse and they are, just at the top of their game and creating a story unlike any we've gotten to see before. And, and I should clarify, just for listeners, Landry, you're referring to as Landry Fleming, who is the director yes. of this show. And that so it was her vision that kind of took, took us into all of this. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually a two-part question, because I want to go back to something Sonia said. I didn't see the show when it first premiered with Carol Burnett in her young days. I don't think any of us were, were that old. But I have a feeling that back then, I don't know if there was a deep message to the show or, or whether it was just a, a fun show to present. Mm-hmm. But based on some things Sonia just said, and in terms of maybe reflected by the casting, do you get a sense that when people come and see Once Upon a Mattress now, there might be a deeper meaning than there was when, you know, Thompson Fuller and Bearer wrote this show? Yes, I, I do think um, that it's, um, you know, everyone's bringing their 2022 brain to this now. And I think a lot has, uh, a lot of us have, you know, we've evolved in so many ways. Um, and I think that um, the, the show just um, embraces that, you know, it just uh, takes that on. And I think it's, it's lovely in that we can kind of read into it a little bit and enjoy the fact that, um, you know, sure, it questioned gender norms back in the day. Uh, the mm-hmm. princess is not a uh, typical princess, uh, a stereotype. Uh, and a lot of stereotypes are broken throughout this show. And that was Jay and Dean's and Marshall's intention. Um, and Mary Rogers as well, and Marshall. Um, but they uh, they wrote something that is open-ended enough to take on uh, any time that we're in, I think. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. August, for you to say something. Yeah, no, I just, I very much agree with, with what Anne had to say is I, I think it, um, I think it adds to the original production because when this show did premiere, you were seeing um, a variety of, of, of what was unique to gender back then. Carol Burnett was loud. She was all over that stage. She was not your typical ingenue and I think that was a big deal back then and I think that we have sort of um, escalated that and are sort of presenting just like Anne said this 2022 version of what I think was so wonderful about the original production. And Sonia, let me go back with you on this, because what's really interesting, back on Broadway, of course, it was produced and and presented in a Broadway theater. Theo Ubuque is so different. I I fell in love with Theo years ago in his old location. I don't even remember the first show I saw there. Maybe it was Sweeney Todd or Chess. I don't know. But um, I just know for the first time I went, I went, my goodness, Fred Enzimino, these folks, they take on big shows in a small place, and you would think you're on a Broadway stage. What is your, uh, again, having the, the booming grand voice that you do, What's your thought about playing in this more intimate cabaret kind of space, Sonia? Well, we use the term immersive for this production and others that I think because of the the breadth of energy of the show, it is immersive by virtue of the space, but also the space mm-hmm. plus the amount of energy we're bringing it. There's nowhere to hide, for better or for worse. In this case, I think for better. Although there, <laughs> there was one day there was a young child in the audience, and the moment I opened my mouth, I saw her go to cover her ears because I was a little too loud. But that <laughs> is, a, is a compliment and just a, a circumstance of it. But yeah, I think having musicals in an intimate space. Uh, musicals are inherently uplifting and like whisk you along for the ride, but this is beyond 3D. This is like mm-hmm. truly you are with the actors and we get to interact with the audience as well. So that's the extra layer there of like, oh, you're not only feeling my emotions at everyone's stakes, like we are making eye contact with you, like, help me, help me. Oh my gosh, what do I do? And we've had audience members, too, even give moments of advice 
to uh, like, oh, go, go, come on, go, do it. <laughs> yeah, the characters sort of play with the audience. They break that fourth wall, but in an appropriate mm-hmm. way, although I would have never, uh, when I was there, thought of sort of saying, okay, let, let, let me get on stage and give you, you know, answer your questions. Um, although maybe <laughs> next time I will. I, I don't know. And the notion of immersive theater, which I love, Anne, you're no stranger to immersive theater. I saw you as Suzanne uh, in uh, Southern Gothic. What I love Windy City Playhouse as well. But what is your sense, since you've done immersive there, isn't it a different kind of thing when you're playing to an audience who surrounds you? They're right there. And what's your thought about that? Yeah, um, you know, well, I, every experience with immersive is a little bit different. It's used in a different way. So, uh, you know, with Southern, with Southern Gothic, uh, the audience are essentially ghosts. We don't, as characters, mm-hmm. interact at all with them, but we're so close to them that um, the immersive experience was that you were basically sitting right next to them in the living room and on the set itself, which is so exciting. Whereas this is set up a little bit more like a cabaret theater. Um, so people have their space and we have ours. However, we go into their space a little bit. And um, I may even take your chair. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and in this case, uh, we really do get to make that eye contact and, um, and deliver some of our lines directly to them. I like to use, as the queen, I like to use the audience as my court, an extension of my court, so that they're uh, much more involved and feel like they're a bit part of the storytelling. Sonia, let me tell you what I don't think happens in this show, not in the show per se, but the one thing Theo is known for is that many times the cast members are also the servers. Um, so they, you know, you're, you're serving a dinner to those because you, there is the dinner option there and, um, and, and sometimes not. But that may be different now. I don't know if COVID's impacted that. But the, the dinner is still served, but I don't necessarily see that it's cast members doing it. So we do have our marvelous swing Thomas Tong serving. And then we also have one of our ensemble members, Sarah Patton, serving. But they're out of costume. They're, they're in a server capacity, but there is that, that marvelous realization that a few of them get to have of like, wait a second, that person's singing who just handed me my chicken. So a little bit of that, but uh, a different than before. And, you know, I, I know that, that Fred Enzovino, um, uh, the artistic director, at, uh, and, of course, working with Christopher and other people, but, you know, coming back from COVID, I had interviewed those guys when we were first trying to come back. They were very cautious, very concerned, and, and, and absolutely within the rights to be concerned about how you bring an audience back. Um, mm-hmm. Audience, let me ask you this notion of, because, again, unlike maybe a Broadway in Chicago show, you know, I can leave a row of, of, of seats empty if I want to. I mean, there's all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, Second City does that. They kind of push you back a little bit. It's really tough to do that in Theo Bouquet, but nevertheless, for people who are concerned, um, it, it still feels like a very safe environment. And now some of the restrictions are relaxed, but, but even when we first started to come back, things, things were very safe, uh, August. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I appreciated as a, as a performer, as an actor in the show, um, we were tested twice a week. Um, we were tested with rapid tests. We were tested with PCR tests. That was happening twice a week as we were rehearsing. Um, we're still testing every Thursday as we do this run. Um, and as, as many states sort of loosen their restrictions, one thing I'm, I'm really grateful for, because we as the performers are unmasked. And as I'm sure you saw when you saw the performance, we're right. We're, we're very close. We are, we are in the space together. Um, but per, um, audience members are still required to show proof of vaccination. They are still required to wear masks. And um, so I, and I can speak for myself. I, I feel very comfortable. I feel very safe. And I feel if there ever were any concerns, I do feel like the theater and our 
our, our group of actors um, were willing to have conversations and to, to find a, a way to make us feel even safer if any of us did not feel safe at any point. I'll tell you what, people that are complaining, I don't want to wear a mask in a theater anymore. You know what? Get over yourself because, you know, this is, I mean, we're finally back. Right, Sonia? I mean, you're after two years of, and, and the thing is, I've always respected actors. I've, I've, you know, donated what I could to kind of help in the funds because what people didn't realize is that uh, uh, many actors who have to supplement their income, you know, they're servers, right? They're, they're working maybe in a, re- a hospitality environment. Well, guess what? That got shut down too. So, Sonia, how does it feel to be back in not only this, but I'm hoping in many ways getting back to your normal life. It's difficult to verbalize, but it's wonderful. I'm a, a, a teaching artist with a few different theaters and several different CPS schools. So it's been really fantastic to move from Zoom teaching to actually being eye to eye with the young ones. It's much easier and more rewarding to teach theater in the same room with youth. And of course, the same goes for performing Zoom theater, uh, a lot of actors had different different opinions about Zoom theater. Some said, I cannot handle this. I'll see in a couple years. Others did a lot of Zoom plays. I was kind of in the middle, but there's just nothing. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like live theater. So it's beyond life-giving. It's like air, air to the lungs. So glad that we're back. Yeah, I'd like to think that the, the whole Zoom notion, it served its purpose. I love the fact that now, for example, Relentless, uh, when that opened, uh, uh, mm-hmm. when it was playing a timeline, now going to Goodman. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was sold out, whatever. And they used a four camera. They cost, spent some bucks, but they, they recorded yeah. a beautiful production. I actually watched that show mm-hmm. in my living room on my couch. I was good with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. it's another option, I, I would hope. Um, and where do you, as somebody that's got a rich resume, where, where do you see, you know, theater growing? I mean, here we, we dip back in time with Once Upon a Mattress. Do you like those sort of you know reversals in time in terms of broadway shows or are you looking forward to the next norm breaking uh you know new show that we see the way the way kinky boots or or the way you know hamilton has has done that or dear evan hansen dealing with suicide issues i mean which which direction do you want to see theater go oh i definitely want to see it progress i mean i think that it just should keep up with everybody you know and uh and i think it's really great to be able to tell stories of what people are going through right now uh and um so, yeah, the more more relevant, the better, in my opinion. Um, but I have nothing against going back and looking at something. I mean, uh, I think that every time you do that, uh, you're still bringing today with you. And uh, and it's, it's giving a nice, rich layer to everything that you're, you're kind of p- pulling back into uh, 2022. So I'm all for both, but I really love um, progress. So I'm all for that. Actually, August, I want to ask you that similar question because I know you're a playwright. I mean, I'm, I'm sure all of you do writing, but I know that, that one of your credentials is as a playwright. So mm-hmm. what about you? Do you, when you write things, are you sort of about, we got to be edgy, we got to be 2022, or, or or you have an appreciation for this look back in time? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I am someone who, um, I think starting out, tried to be a little edgier, tried to push some boundaries, and I, I think it worked. Um, but the place I'm finding myself is sort of, you know, talking about, um, I, I love the classics. I love the classics. I'm, I'm, uh, my acting resume is predominantly in plays. I love Shakespeare and I love to, um, you know, take these classics, these theater classics and put sort of a spin on it. Something that I feel like is similar to, you know, what we're doing with once upon a mattress. It is that beautiful classic once upon a mattress 
but done in a way that it's never been done before. You know, centering voices that have never really gotten to be centered in these stories before. Um, right now I'm working on um, a, a Greek play, but sort of modernizing it, setting um, sort of the, the, the typical Greek um, chorus, things like that, but setting it in, you know, 2022. Um, I, I, I think it's fun to sort of combine them and, and it, because what worked, the classics worked, they worked for a reason, but we need to try them differently now. And so I, as a playwright, I like to combine, I like to mix it up, but I, I like to play, pay tribute to, to the classics, of course. I appreciate that. I've always thought they should yeah. redo Fiddler on the Roof and set it in Silicon Valley and then just have, you know, <laughs> Tevye, Tevye has some issues with, yeah, Tevye has issues with Apple or something. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Of course. Um, anyway, Once Upon a Mattress is playing at Theo Ubuke Theater in Evanston. It's playing through May 1st. Tickets at Theo-U, T-H-E-O-U.com. That'll all be, of course, on the website page when you see it. Sonia Goldberg, who plays the fabulous Princess Winifred. Trust me, Carol Burnett knows you're doing a great job. <laughs> I've made oh, sure. No. August Foreman no. and, and Sheridan Smith. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. Uh, it's a Thank great you. show. It's wonderful. <laughs> so break legs for the rest of the run. I look forward to seeing you in the very next things you do. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you so much.